0: Hello and welcome back to the Specky and Paul Talk Detailing Podcast. We are the Schwarzenegger and Stallone of the UK detailing community. This is episode 12, a chat with Gary at Pro-D. I am Specky McSporan and I am joined as usual by my good friend and co-host Paul Dolden.
1: Hello, I am particularly excited this week because I am broadcasting from somewhere very very special i'm up the east end of the island because obviously there was that vicious room about the pervert that keeps going to ladies only events and i've been shown into a national trust area it's called cudmore grove it's a real place there's no no mistake about it this is a proper national trust place and the warden has said i can use this hut he called it a hide i haven't got a clue what that is but there's some binoculars in here and there's some tripods but what he did say to me which i'm particularly excited about is he said if i stay here long enough I'll see some great tits. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know, are there any other kind? Um. (laughs) Because as far as I'm concerned, they're all great. And he did look at me very, very strangely. Because I did bring, uh, I did bring a loo roll as well,
0: and I see that. Because
1: I know I'm going to be here for a long time, so if I hang around, I'll definitely see some tits. That's what you said. So I'm taking it on. I never. I think the National Trust have gone up in my estimation. I tell you, I'm. I'm coming back next week.
0: <laughs> You're not leaving. You brought. You brought a sleeping bag. <laughs> damn right oh dear god how did i not see that coming as soon as he started saying it i thought oh no he's not gonna go yes he did he did he went there great thanks for that uh all right well um good for you enjoy uh let's crack on with the news before we get on with the introductions so uh paul we'll start with you because you've only got one no you've got two bits of news uh your new video
1: oh yes finally got another pressure washer uh Video out because oh, you you've been
0: so desperate for pressure washers.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't do that many of these. Um, and this is a rare opportunity for me to do another review on a pressure washer. So rare, <laughs> it's so rare. Uh, that's the, my gar- that's the reason my garage doors broke because there's so many pressure washers, and I keep leaning up against the door and breaking it. <laughs> um, um, I will say big thanks to John at Ultimate Finish. Um, there is a discount code for this underneath the video. I'm not going to spoil the you know, spoil the surprise and tell you what I think about the Amazing Machine it's really good um, <laughs> <laughs> go and check it out because it is live as we're recording this funny enough and you probably would have watched it's going to be at least a million views come on it's going to be at least really so no, no. Um, not at all but Go and check it out. Yeah, that's the latest. And also, I'm making preparation for yet another Welsh trip because we are going up Snowdon. That's not a euphemism. That is a real place.
0: It's a real. It's a real thing. This is. Yeah. This is not like one of those uh, national trust things.
1: No, this could actually be my last podcast, because if I get lost, you know it's going to make headlines. Essex couple get stranded in flip-flops and ill-equipped, <laughs> ill-equipped wearing their Bermudas and a vest top. That's um,
0: exactly what the Scottish Mountain Rescue are always complaining about, is English people up a Munro in khaki shorts and sand shoes. So, we are,
1: yeah. we are fully equipped. We've gone proper gung ho. Headlights the lot. I told um, Samantha we were taking headlights. She said, What for? I said, Because we get stuck. we have to come home in the dark. So, we've got his and hers headlights. We've got pickaxes. We've got dogs, <laughs> um, helicopter backup, you name it. We're on, the, <laughs> we're on the easiest trail, you know, the one that all the normal people go up the. Well, I'll say it's normal. only 400 feet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, think in, I think it's something like six miles. And I think it takes about nine hours, or is it the other way around, nine miles and six hours, I don't know. It's a long walk, I'm looking forward to it, though. I cannot wait to get away, get back to gorgeous Wales.
0: Wicked, wicked, yeah, right. well we know you love it, we know you love it. Interestingly mm. enough though, if you do get lost, if you do find yourself stranded up a mountain, uh, up Snowdon, who am I going to use, who am I going to, who would be your choice as a replacement, you know, if, if it was Paul's, it was Paul's wish, it was Paul's wish, we lost him, and I now have to get a replacement, who would you choose?
1: Um, well, Jamie, our postman's quite good, um, <laughs> he's, he's really funny, <laughs> I'd probably get that short girl, what's her name? Oh, the one with the curvy figure, really pretty, Um, um, no, it's gone, I'm sorry. No, no, don't know. From She's from Ireland, I think.
0: Was she? Oh, oh no, yeah, I don't you know, know, know what they're like.
1: Drives those cars that fall apart a lot, make a lot of noise.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, v- d-
1: that's it. I know. I remembered it. v That's it. That's the <laughs> name.
0: v Oh, you're going to get a telling off for that one. I right. hope so.
1: <laughs> I mean, I yes, oh, was. I mean, that's
0: terrible. Carry on. Of course it's terrible. She would make a great uh, replacement for you, actually. She is going to come back on the podcast as a guest host. So I guess we could give her uh, a run-through of her paces and see how that works out. Um, All right, news. My news? Not a huge amount. Um, We had a couple of things going on recently. We went uh, on a night out for the first time, I think, ever with me and Natalie together. We've never actually had a proper night out in the town. But we went out with a couple of friends who were visiting, and uh, yeah, went out in the town, had a meal, had a few drinks, had a few more drinks, had a few more drinks, and she was all in the mood for um, for dancing. We ended up in a club, and she was dancing the way, just shaking her thang like you wouldn't believe. And uh, there was a couple of young lads decided that uh, they liked the way she was dancing, and they were looking and talking to each other about her and she spotted it and rather than getting self-conscious because she'd had a few drinks and a bit of liquid dutch courage, she turned around and just winked at them and they all kind of didn't know what to do with themselves and kind of turned around and ran off <laughs> you know
1: so, I, I, th- I think i'd have ran away from her the amount she drinks blimey <laughs> she, she'd give me a good run for me money
0: she would actually you know what actually i i think I it was those cocktails that we had that I I went to my head I've never had a French martini before they're delicious by the way so there's a a thing for you it's probably a really old-school thing but that was nice Um, and then literally the day after the night out uh, we went to uh, Castle Fraser for the Aberdeen goes full throttle car show which if you follow me on Instagram you'll see some of the cars that we we got to see there Um, fantastic weather for it fantastic day um i was spotted although nobody came to speak to me i was spotted because afterwards i got a message from someone saying did you pick anything up we couldn't exactly miss you wearing your specky hoodie and specky hat
1: (laughs) somebody noticed you somebody
0: noticed me it's like yeah the second time ever it's happened so yeah there you go amazing Mm. exciting Mm but that's that's all the news there's literally nothing going on i'm i'm due to be filming something soon i promise i'm going to get another video out there but uh paul is uh, capitalizing on my uh, lax behavior at the moment and uh, jumping on it with the full vim and vigor to trying to pick up those extra views yeah i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying filming
1: i mean no i'm enjoying both um (laughs) capitalizing um and taking all your views and filming again really and i've gone full manual now thanks to one of my subscribers who said don't bother about the autofocus system on the canon because i've realized after i don't know how many videos it's very unreliable so i'm now doing full manual proper bbc wildlife photographer you know what
0: like I, I had a similar situation with my Nikon. It's, it's really not just a Canon thing. It seems that DSLRs um, like ours just don't like their autofocus much. And I had a lot of issues when I used to film on that. They're just and awkward. I they think are. It,
1: you just go, you, you're trying to tell the camera to, to zoom in on, say, the front wing. He goes, no, I don't want to zoom on the front wing. I want to zoom in on the rear wheel. Yeah. But I, no, I don't want you, I want you to. Look, just do it as I say, and it'll beep, and it'll do a crafty one. It'll beep and go, Yeah, I'm in focus. And then when you're not looking, it'll just go, No, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Not, not. I'm all, all blurred, look like I'm drunk. Yeah, And then people just sit there and go, This is pants. Yeah. Thumbs, absolutely. Th- thumbs down.
0: No, well, I, th- that bugged me from before. My, my Nikon did that a lot. And uh, mm. that's a, well, that's why I switched to a camcorder for my filming, because they are designed for video. DSLRs are designed for photos. That's what they are so i know i know a lot of people use things like the canon the the canon eos was it um, the 5d mark ii and things like that saying that's the beast but for filming yeah that's fine if you go manual focus but autofocus on dslrs is not a reliable thing so that's why i went camcorder because that's exactly what they're built for
1: and you bought it cheap off that bloke down a pub called bendover (laughs)
0: we're not we're not talking about him again for god's sake
1: right let's just get this guest on before we get kicked off come on get him on
0: okay so uh, as you guys have already heard we have got gary from pro d we've been putting out the feelers on instagram asking people to pop in their questions as well gary is very well known on instagram so please uh hello say how do we even introduce someone can't say hello because it's not a live audience but anyway we're going to say hello to gary how are you sir
2: i'm very very well thank you yourselves
0: uh, absolutely average this is best we can going to go we're going to go with that um, especially with the technical difficulties we've had um, trying to get you connected tonight so um, let's just move on as swiftly as we can so for those who don't know you give everyone a, a bit of a, an explanation about you and pro d
2: okay so yeah we are um a detailing company um based in bedfordshire near hertfordshire um been going for about six years now and we specialize in detailing and smart leather repair interior repair so as i'm sure if you are following along um you see the stuff that's done it's leather work plastic trims vinyl etc so yeah that's 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 us in a nutshell
0: and you use, um, or you are, uh, was it a specialist for, uh, I want to say a specialist, for Colour Lock, is that right?
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm a, a UK trainer for Colour Lock UK. Um, all of their products is what we use within the repairs that we do, um, but I also travel down to London once a month and I give my help and assistance um, with color locks. So I'm subcontracted. I'm not employed by them. Um, and I go down there and help with the training, the practical side of things and showing people how to do the repairs and how to use the products and, you know, try and implement that as a business revenue to their existing businesses as valid as detailers or to start something new and fresh, really.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, Why have you gone with Colour Lock? Because I'm sure there's probably a few other leather specialist repair and restoration companies and so on. What is it about Colour Lock that um, works for you?
2: It just works. The products just work. And yes, you're right. I have tried pretty much most of them on the market that are out there. But just with ColorLock, they're sort of products. The paint isn't sticky when you're using it. Um, It's got a vast array of sort of repair tools, products. um, And also the grain replication system um, is very, very good. Um, A lot of the other manufacturers will have um, sort of fluids that you need to mix together, spatula, mix it up and dry it and all that kind of stuff. And it's a bit of a faff where ColorLock's... system is extremely easy it's in um, I don't know if some of you sort of know of the smart repair on plastic where you have two cylinders where it combines together through the end of a nozzle mixes itself up and it comes out sort of pre-mixed yeah it's that kind of principle it dries very quickly and then you have a silicon patch which you can use over and over again Um, and it's just very very easy products that do what it says on the side of the tin and after using so many different brands over the years um they you know it, it just works so that's that's why i sort of you know put myself with them
0: okay all right so that that answers the the leather repair and things what about the detailing in general how did you get started uh, in in the detailing scene were you a mobile valeter or did you always have a view to making sure you had a unit
2: yeah, I was, I was. I started out as a mobile valetor, um, and I always knew I wanted to be my own boss and to do my own thing, all the way back to when I was 15, 16, and did my apprenticeship with Ford as a vehicle technician, um, mechanic, whichever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do something back then, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, and I always, sort of, cleaning cars has always been a passion since I'd my Fiesta Z tech S um, and cars along the years, but all the way back there I was never a detailer. Um, you know, at best I washed my car on the driveway of my mum and dad's house with one bucket and a sponge.
0: (laughs) Yep, yeah, we've (laughs) all been there.
2: You know, that that's how you know, I'm not gonna say I was a detailer and all that back then I was I a kid washing my car, but I had that love for it and that grew over the years and spending many years in main dealers as a vehicle technician and independent garages restoring classic cars jaggy types gordon keebles austin Healy's, all manner of stuff and then going into um, management customer service uh, for many years as well i've kind of combined into all that experience and knowledge as sort of in a suit and on the shop floor and I got to a point I think I was at Mercedes um, and it was a case of if I don't do this now I'm going to get to 50, 60, 70 years old and look back and regret that I never tried doing my own thing and I don't know it just it just fell into place um, to, to do what I was doing but I always had a vision You know, I, I never planned that I was going to be a mobile validator for the next 20, 30 years yeah. I wanted to progress the business and grow it into something and I had the leather repair side of things, not with Colour Lock at that time, um, but I had the leather repair side of things in my head as a business plan because my future vision for the next year, five years, pardon me, was that I was building a business doing more than one thing. So if one side of the business, i.e. the mobile valetian was quiet, hopefully the leather repair would pick up the shortfall and vice versa. Yeah. So I would always have a hand in a pocket and I wasn't relying on one sole trade for earning money. It's just so happened as the years have gone on, it's boomed and it's evolved into what it is now and both sides of it are manically busy um, and it's done what it's done. So, okay.
0: All right, that, that makes sense. So when you, when you were mobile, at what point did you decide that... Like, What was the thing that drove the change from being mobile to unit-based? Was it something to do with maybe the number of regular clients you had or was it just once you could scrape together enough money to be able to afford the unit and so on? What was the the driving force that made you upgrade from the mobile to the unit-based detailer?
2: It was very simple. I wanted to do detailing. Um, and I, I say that because... Personally, I'll sit here and say there is a difference between valeting and detailing. I know, you know, many people will probably that yes. are stir a few feathers, uh, uh, but there is a difference between valeting and detailing, and I will argue that until I'm blue in the face. There so definitely is. So I knew is. that I wasn't able to do the level of paint corrections, machine polishing, and ceramic coating application whilst I was mobile. So you can do a degree of machine polishing Um, whilst you're mobile. I'm not saying you can't do that, but for me personally, wanting to up my game and bring my level of knowledge as a technician to what I was doing, i.e. removing interiors and stripping wheel arch liners out and doing the smart repairs. You know, you can't do that in a day on a drive. And I needed a workshop to do that. And Mm. that was my next... Stage in my business growth was yeah. to get a unit, so that was the reason why I did what I did.
0: Yeah, and then now you've got your unit, so you know you're you're working with color lock for your your smart uh, leather repair and so on. You've also seemed to ally yourself a lot with um, geon as far as the the detailing products side of thing. Was that driven by anything, or was it just that you particularly liked? those those products what was it that that made you want to move more to lean more towards geon products
2: yeah it's geon is a fantastic brand product um again very similar to color lock it does what it says on the tin it's simple to use all the products are from maintenance products to ceramic coatings they just do what they do and yeah i tried you know many others prior and i Kamikaze, and um, I was using another sort of few bits and bobs. But Gion was just worked for me, and it wasn't just the product for me. I'm loyal as a dog, I'll stick with something. I'm just as much about the relationship as it is the product. So, me and Ram and the guys at Colorlock have got a great relationship, and again, Theo, Jens, Jeremy and the guys at Gion UK, we all, you know, talk, messaging, or phone regularly, and we have that sort of relationship, business relationship, and it just works. Um, You know, and and that's why for me, Gion was a no-brainer. A, the products do what they do, they give fantastic results, and they're very easy to use as a business, because you don't want that faff of having to have different, sort of applications or you know it behaves differently you know with some ceramic coatings that that does happen you have different sort of um, uh, when applying it due to temperature humidity or sometimes batches on the smaller brands that are not so big you can sometimes have some issues um, where with Geon, every time you do a coating whether it be pure to Duraflex it just goes on it comes off and it does what it does. You know. So that that's the reason why I kind of looked at it and thought Gion is is what I wanna do. I want to be, you know, a Gion center, um, and not use multiple other different ceramic brands. I have a relationship with Jack and Stianagloss and I'm brand ambassador for Stianagloss Um and I generally use the mixture between Gion and Stianagloss um, when I'm doing in the detailing that's that's really what i stick with there are other brands and other different products i use um but that's the relationship i've kind of built up i have a small network and that's all i need i don't need a big group of people
0: yeah that's it it's it's going to be down to what works for you doesn't it at the end of the day especially when you're running a business yeah. you have to have things which are uh, it's got to. I guess there's there's got to be a certain criteria that you've got to meet, or a product or a brand has to meet for you to to want to choose them to work with. I guess at the end of the day, you've got it's got to be effective. It's got to be easy to use or quick to use or whatever. It's got to be good value for money. I suppose in a way, you've got to have a good support network for that brand as well. So it's interesting that everyone has their own brand and some clearly like certain brands and there's others who really dislike other brands have you i think this goes back actually to one of the questions that we received for you was about quality of products or what what's good this was a a message that came in from uh, valeting by hallie i think it is Um, and the question was uh, what's a must-have product and what can be forgotten about so is there anything that you'd say you you couldn't live without and also, is there anything that you would say you are quite happy to forget that it exists?
2: <laughs> my ramp. <laughs> your oh, your ramp. I couldn't live without my ramp. <laughs> oh, that's a um, no, th- that's th- a th- good
1: good good answer, Gary.
2: Yeah, I'm all about the ergonomics. <laughs> um, it's you know, jokes aside, the ramp is a massive game changer when you're doing. The work that you're doing because it saves your back but uh, there are so many bits and bobs out there which you know i not so much products as in products it's more i'm um, all about what makes your life easier and sort of more comfortable your know, silly things knee pads and you know uh, sort of the hoover attachments like what i did in one of the reels on instagram recently it's a, a little micro sort of hoover attachment that goes onto the end of the main hoover attachment mm. and you can get into all the little crevices and cracks so people say to you what's your favorite product expecting a certain glass cleaner or a certain ceramic coating and what i'm trying to say is it's not that they're not my life-saving sort of things it's the little things on day to day that makes your life easier and more comfortable not talking about cutting corners but just makes life easier when doing the job you know rather than trying to brush and crevice tool to try and get dust out of a windowsill you can just use the little hoover attachment and it just brushes over it very minimal contact sucks it out and it does it 10 times quicker it's just silly little things like that um that i value um which i you know couldn't live without um what i could live without um overpriced hyped up products and tools (laughs) gimmicks
0: do you want to do you want to go out there or do you want to stick your neck out there and mention any (laughs)
2: No, it's just, you know, the, the, there's fads and phases that go, yeah, you know, every year you have a new fad and a phase, and at the moment it's graphene, and I'll oh, yeah. stand by that. It makes no real odds. Um, it's just another, listen, at the end of the day, there's 101 different types of ceramic coatings out there on the market and detailing, you know sprays and waxes and sealants and everything like that but let's be real there's only so many years that these ma- manufacturers and things can peddle this stuff so they will come out with new names and brandings or version 2 and upgraded and yeah you just get the buzz and hype words and for me graphene does my nutting i see that all the time across social media um, and for me you know if someone wants to give me the figures and prove me wrong and, and prove me from lab figures then go for it but for me it's just another buzzword to push products and sell stuff
0: which, it's interesting that because yeah, is it you really know, that much different or better there's a lot of people who said that about ceramic when it first came out and it was ceramic products that it was all a buzzword and everything's going to become ceramic and then we're never going to see the end of it and it's not really all that good compared to a polymer sealant for example but ceramics have yeah. stuck around in, in a way that graphene has yet to do. But I, I can see what people are saying about mm. graphene. And I know where you're coming from as far as graphene is concerned. I, I think it's going to be an interesting graphene, thing.
2: Yeah, the, the level of graphene that you need in a product to make it that much resilient and harder. A, graphene is an absolute fortune as a raw material. Raw material yeah. But it's no different than, saying titanium-infused. Um, and I know Gion and Yend is very, very strong on this matter as well, and they will agree um with with that. It's it's just another buzzword, in my opinion. Um you know. So yeah, that's that's me going out and
0: fair enough. So you didn't you didn't, you didn't name, name a brand, there. but you named a thing. <laughs> Has there ever been a brand where you've you've used yeah. a product and you've just said to yourself, nah, nah, that's just it's not it's not worthy of a place on on my shelf
2: um some of the car tech polishes i find it extremely dusty i think i used one car tech polish car tech um the green one i think it was is that 5000 not too okay. sure but i used that i had a bottle of it i used it once it dusted ridiculously and i threw it in the bin um, All right. fair enough Ooh. So, yeah that that's my um, Menzura is. I find Menzura a bit dusty. Um, I'm not overly keen on Menzura. I stick really with Maguire's, um Koshkemi, Gion. Um, they're my mains sort of polishes that I'll sort of use and stick with.
0: Yeah. Speaking so. of uh, throwing something in the bin, uh, you posted a video a while ago about throwing a pressure washer in the bin.
1: Yeah, it was your old one.
2: <laughs> yeah, Direct <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was um <laughs> I
1: don't know where this direct is going. Hoses, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, Direct Hoses. Yeah, I did, I did. Listen, the guys at Direct Hoses, I can't fault them. You know, they they were very quick to respond to me from beginning to end. <laughs> Sent the machines away and they repaired them and they came back and they worked again for a short period of time. I may have just got that Friday car. I don't know. But uh, for me, you know, I'm I'm not a mobile valetor anymore and I don't use it day in, day out doing four or five cars and being used every day. It gets used to do wet work on a Monday for maybe four or five hours max. And that's it. And once a week on a Monday when we're prepping. And the following week, I might not even wash a car because I might be doing smart repairs. So it was probably getting less work than your average enthusiast at weekends in a month. So for me, I I just got, I'm a very, very patient person. But if I'm pushed enough and I Jekyll and I'd flip, then I will make my voice heard. And that's why it was um, thrown in the bin made right. into a video um just because i'd had enough of it basically but i know there are plenty of other machines out there which work absolutely fine um so you know there's plenty of other direct hoses machines out there which are being used and work absolutely fine so maybe i just got a duff one
0: but, yeah yeah it's interesting yeah. so speaking of um the industry then um We were talking about this beforehand and uh, we fired off a couple of questions we thought might be interesting to you. And this is one that I think has been brought up a few times in different conversations that I've certainly had with a few people is regarding uh, the regulations and so on that that perhaps should be introduced. Uh, Would you be interested? would, Would you support the idea that there need to be some regulations or some sort of industry standard training? for people to get into detailing?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I I think there should be some better form of regulations for the sort of the detailing industry. Um, for me personally, um, I, I will, I will stand by and sort of back it and put my name against it when it is sort of backed by the IMI, which is the, for people that don't know, is the Institute of the motor industry. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, if you're a gas and heating engineer, then you have to be gas safe register, um, which obviously is the replacement for Corgi, I think 2009, around that sort of time, was replaced. And, you know, with any other sort of industry, when you're doing something, you have to be sort of a certain, you know, you have to be registered by something. Um I personally don't feel there is an organisation out there at the moment which has enough credential or backing by a governing body that I feel as though I would want to belong to something. Um, So, yes, I do believe it needs to be, you know, a bit more regulation or work into a better standard because it... Unfortunately, in the sort of car cleaning, valeting, detailing, whatever you want to call it, we don't have any of that sort of monitoring. So there are many, many good guys out there and girls which are doing it and do an absolute fantastic job and do it to a great standard. But unfortunately, there's a lot out there which don't. And if we're not careful, then we will get a similar rap to the motor trade or sort of builders where it's like, oh, you know, car salesman this and, you know, I mean, sort of um, electricians and, um, you know, they will get bad sort of rap from time to time. Um, I just think that it needs to have a bit more, yeah, regulation.
0: I I agree to a certain extent. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that anyone can call themselves a detailer. Um, and certainly it's something that that I've been suggested someone said to me well why don't you do it as a job and you know this is the thing I certainly could go and jump on uh, I don't know marketplace or something buy myself a a small white van stick a a little label on the side of it call myself a detailer and that's it There's, there's nothing that anyone can really check on to make sure that I know what I'm talking about so I do agree with that to a certain extent however by the same token, what's what's the difference between a valotor and a detailer? And this is an interesting question, I think, because do you need so much of the skills to be a valetor to just turn up to someone's house and throw a bucket and sponge over someone's car for 20 minutes and make the car look cleaner and then someone who is a detailer? I think th- that there's maybe a bigger distinction there. How would you say, or what would you say is the dividing line between someone being classed as a valetor and someone being classed as a detailer.
2: So, yeah, I had this conversation with somebody the other day when they asked me the, the same sort of question. And, um, you know, you see more and more frequently across social media, the sort of terminology, mobile detailing. Um, and the two have kind of been blended. For me, again, this is my personal opinion on it. I know people are probably going to disagree. Some might agree. Um, But, you know, going back 10 years, a mobile valet was a mobile valet. Someone would turn up and, you know, they probably wouldn't necessarily be using purified water and they probably wouldn't be air drying it down. Um, They would probably just be doing very equivalent to what you would get a hand car wash, but probably a better standard. And that was a mobile valet. And... With detailing the terminology, with, I think it hasn't helped with social media, America and the UK. It's kind of blended and we've kind of adapted the terminology detailing in Valentin. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of blurred it over. Um, now, I, for quite some time, had a beer in my bonnet. And would sort of say, it's not mobile detailing. You cannot call it mobile detailing. And I've kind of changed my tune a little bit because as people, the consumer, the customer, people's expectations have raised and more and more people are doing more in-depth cleaning while they are doing it mobile. So you see more and more people sort of doing steam cleaning and sort of full interiors and going through with swabs and in air vents and going through you know multiple different stages of cleaning that is kind of to a degree detailing because you're going into detail cleaning the grime out of indicator switches or steam cleaning and cleaning fabric seats so mobile valeting has kind of evolved because you are doing more and the customer expects more because they are watching videos on YouTube and they're watching things on Instagram and people's expectations have, you know, increased. Yeah. So I think mobile detailing does have its place as a terminology, but the difference between mobile valeting stroke detailing and detailing as a detailing studio are two totally different things if that makes sense yeah um because if you're studio based like myself i very rarely do any form of mobile valeting the only sort of valeting we now do sort of perform are for um, cars that have come through the shop already and we've spent time machine polishing and we ceramic coated them and the customer goes on to a sort of monthly ceramic maintenance valet and we still call it valeting because we're cleaning the car <laughs> that's what we're doing we're giving it a maintenance clean so it's a valid. Mm-hmm. it's not a detail so we're maintenance valeting but we're doing sort of a, a ceramic maintenance valet so that's what we do but within the workshop we are doing detailing we're doing machine polishing we're paint correction we're doing ceramic coating um you know, we're doing that level of work that you can't do on a driveway or class as valeting. So there is a massive difference between the two of them as roles. But the sort of mobile valeting terminology has adapted um, to a more involved clean, which I would then say, well, yeah, you could call it mobile detoning.
1: Yeah, I, I, I so kind of agree there. Gary, as well, I mean, because years ago, you wouldn't be you wouldn't start doing an engine bay on someone's drive, would you? Unless the customer actually asked you. I mean, if I go and price a car up, you know, ask the customer what do they want, what do they want from my service? You know, bearing in mind, I'm, I'm still mobile and I'm only a part time, I haven't got a studio or anything, so I'll ask the customer what they actually want, and with it. I spoke to you about the MR2 lately, of the customers asked me to do. The car's had paint work done to it. He wants the engine bay detailed, and I actually use that word detail because it is going to require a level of detail, and it's not as far as I'm concerned. Validity. I think the biggest problem is probably social media, where the words have got very, very um, contaminated, shall I say. I mean, I've known you for a number of years, and I've seen your business evolve Um Considerably, we've getting better equipment, and to make things easier for yourself. And we've spoke about valent um, at great lengths. You know about the the money involved with it. You know the fact that it can be a bit. It's not in its knees, but for you, for you yourself, I think the money that we're talking about at the level of workmanship we're talking about where you're concerned i don't class you as just a detailer i'd class you as a vehicle restorator as well because taking liners out and front grills and headlights and everything else this isn't like a normal level of detailing is it and i think that's where the the two um are just completely different the level that you're working at so that for me would be an easy definition
2: yeah i I agree with you i think social media has you know i I unfortunately Look, you know, I know that COVID has, has affected so many people and by losing jobs and work, and I think it has fueled. Um, I think social media hasn't helped the industry because it is being deemed as a fashionable, cool thing to do, being a detailer, because they see that across social media and they see people, you know, uh, we all have shiny pages with lovely pictures and reels and videos, but it doesn't always show the hard work and graft. I'm not talking doing the job. I'm talking about building a business and reputation. And you know, I, I, I started my job in the December. Um, I got, I, I lost my job. I was already planning to do Pro D anyway, and it just pushed me into doing it going into January. So I had no clients, um, like retail client. I had no retail clients. I had. Um, a couple of trade people which I was working with that gave me a lot of work at the time which was you know what kicked the business off Um, and I'll always be grateful for what they sort of gave me um, and helped me do Um, that being rich and and different cars in hitching and I cut my teeth on that and it was I did three to four days a week with them in their place and I was then going out and doing whatever I could get my hands on and I was walking around in January in the winter in the dark in the snow putting leaflets through doors getting nothing back from it and you just get knocked down and down and down each and every time and you just do whatever you can do and I don't think social media in any sort of line of business um, everyone sees the success of a business but doesn't see the the hard graft of what sort of goes into it and I think certainly Instagram doesn't help that and I think a lot of people have jumped into it because let's, let's face it, you know, most people can clean a car and if they're in a position where they don't have a job and don't have work, I would do exactly the same, you know, I'm I, I can't knock that but I think it's certainly with a mixture of social media making it look a fashionable easy thing to do people have kind of you know Covid has kind of ramped the volume of mobile valeting and detailing um, in sort of recent year or so yeah definitely um, but that that's my again my personal take on it um, I, I think the industry has been flooded in that sense um you know and listen it's not a bad thing i'm i'm not sitting here sort of trying to poo-poo that because i started out doing mobile valeting and it's something that i cut my teeth on i just don't think that social
0: media has helped the industry Okay, that, that was going to be one of my next questions was about social media because a lot of people have their their thoughts on that. <clears throat> so you say it doesn't really help you. Briefly, what would you say are maybe some of the, the main positives and the main negatives that come from social media within the industry?
2: Um, well, a positive for me is it brings me work. <laughs> people see the work and they will, you know, my, most of my business that comes to me is through... Instagram, Google, uh, sort of search engine, and word of mouth. So yeah. it is. It's a double edged sword. It really is a double edged sword. It's. It's. I. I enjoy doing social media. I do enjoy social media, and it brings me work. But also, it is a real drag to maintain because you're trying to run a business and do the work. Um, but certainly, within recent months um i've i've noticed you know social instagram has changed massively in the last year or so um in the sense that you are bombarded with ads um the interaction side of things is on its knees um so it's a very hard game no, it anno- instagram annoys me i i enjoy interacting with people and showing my work and to put you know, use it as a portfolio. But I know Instagram's a business and they've got to make money and I just feel since Facebook has taken it over, it's gone through the floor. Yeah. In the sense that it's now so monetarized and it's just how much money they can make out of it. And it's taken the fun out of it a little bit because like I say I now scroll through my feed and I get a a sponsored ad every two pictures or every two posts and I was talking to Ben yesterday in the workshop about it and it kind of has killed the platform a little bit for me in the sense that you're bombarded with comments and direct messages from bots and it's, it's a difficult one it's um it's
1: a very if it makes it any, if it makes it any easier, go. We, we get industry. we get them all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh, do we get the, <laughs> the bots and the the <laughs> offers of um, smoothing your balls and and everything else? And I was actually listening back to a previous episode, the one where we had Vicky on, and uh, and she got the same thing. <laughs> she got the same thing saying you'd be a great fit for our advertising campaign of of manscaping, and uh, I thought, wow. This this is Vicky getting that kind of stuff. So it really, it's spammy. Isn't so
1: it? I'm so sorry because that was meant for you. Spammy. I'm really sorry. It's, it has <laughs> changed.
2: <laughs> it, it has changed. It has changed in that sense, and I I think if you're not paying for ads, you you know I've 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 got a small account. It's it's twenty two thousand followers. I follow about just over a th- or under a thousand people. I have never bought a follower. I've never paid for anything in that sense and I have waves of ups and downs on interactions like one week I will I think 3 weeks ago I had a interaction of 3.7 million interactions within 7 days and last week I've had 97,000 interactions well wow. so that just shows the sheer and utter plummet through the floor of interaction but I know what they're doing is they're dangling a carrot they want you to do a sponsored ad they want you to pay for this and pay for that to then boost it back up and I won't do that I would rather sit through a week or so of it on its arse through the floor and then after a couple of posts it then picks back up and it goes back through the roof again but I've had to kind of look at it and take a bit of a back seat and not be so worried about it
0: yeah so you you've talked about chill out, but now yeah.
2: I need to just yeah chill out yeah
0: absolutely. So how is it you have got all your your work done you've you've got your your social media going which you've got to manage that you've got to manage your time with the jobs that you have whichever detailing jobs they might be paint correction leather repair all these kind of things any kind of smart repair you got to balance out your your work life balance how do you manage that and how do you deal with your downtime? What do you do? Do you take yourself away from everything completely? Is it just a case of chilling on the sofa? Is it What's your release from work?
2: Um, we, When we do get time to go away we will go away in the, the camper van and we will do anything in the water on a board. Um, so that's where all four of us the Kids and Jen and myself sort of if we're not on the beach doing a barbecue or in the water on a board that's generally what we're doing but on a day-to-day basis uh you know i have been guilty which i'm sure many people that are running a business will be guilty of where it just blends into weekends and evenings and you find yourself sitting on a sofa flicking through your phone or doing emails um and i've had to certainly i've revalued work life and family life balance over the course of covid so when i was off homeschooling the kids we've kind of just restructured our or tried to restructure our lives a little bit for the better um i've kind of during that time sort of taken up meditation and i do that twice a day morning and evening um i i'm not a religious nutcase don't worry it's even (laughs) a big fan it's about well-being and my own sort of maintaining my mental health and protecting that. Um, so I I will do a lot of meditation. Um, I listen to a lot of audio books and podcasts during the day and in evenings um, and surround myself with positive people, whether that's family or friends. <laughs> Who, Whose
0: podcasts do you listen to? Of, <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Whose podcasts?
2: <laughs> um i listen to that's not the, that's of, not the
1: right um, answer <laughs> I listen to jay shetty, um,
2: sorry i listen to yours um, i listen to jay shetty rob dial oh, that... uh, life coach mentors or their business mentors and that's what i kind of listen to daily really
0: all right fair enough um we've got some questions in from the community um, we're gonna just ask for brief brief answers here. It's going a few to go through. Uh, one question is from Devil is in the Detail. asks, "What's Gary's issue with black badges on cars?" Don't like it. Looks tacky. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair answer. That's a personal uh, opinion. I yeah, don't of like course.
2: Blacked out vehicles. It looks like Night Rider. I don't like black wheels either. I hate black wheels. Oh, I think yeah. When you've got a black car, and I know Ben's car has got black badges and black wheels, so I apologise, Ben, but. I just, as a personal preference, I think when a vehicle is fully black with tinted windows and black badges and black alloy wheels, it just looks like a bad copy of Night Rider.
0: I, I'm going to kind of agree with you there. Uh, I think you're you're kind of right, and I, I'm I'm not a fan of black wheels and everything, but especially in a black car. Uh, another one comes in here asks: I've started valeting friends and family's cars. How do I charge correctly? What's the process? The
2: process of just washing Uh,
0: what's what's the process of charging how do you figure out how to charge family members
2: oh sorry charging oh
0: put another four zeros on it (laughs) (laughs)
2: simple as that say no no (laughs) seriously I I don't you know I don't even do brother stuff don't get involved in family stuff because you're either going to do it for free or you're going to charge such a ridiculous amount um like cheap amount because it's family. You, you've you've got to be doing it for the love of it. If you're gonna do anyone like a next door neighbour or family, you're kind of doing it at the weekend. I don't see that as a a business thing. It's you know it's it's so difficult to to suggest that, isn't it? When it's a family member, mm-hmm. um,
1: it's not it's not viable.
2: Yeah, that that's a very difficult question, isn't it? no it's you know if it's going to how to price structure a job if you're starting out you know i I would suggest if you're in your local area and you are looking at doing valeting that you would look at a number of businesses and you know you look at similar to what you this is just one factor but you look at three or four different companies in your area find out what their mini valets are find out what their big valets are work out that price divide and take an average and then you know your average cost within your area for that type of work so to you whether you do it on the nail or whether you charge more or whether you underquote by fiverr but at least you know within your area whether you are Miles off and charging too much and you potentially are going to be getting no business coming in or whether you're too cheap and you're undercutting yourself and underselling yourself so that's one sort of thing i would suggest
0: okay um another question from martin may here and this is um quite an interesting question because this is something that has been one of the reasons why I wouldn't get into detailing as a job or doing it for money. The question is how do you deal with the loneliness of working on your own, the, the solitude that there is for the majority of the time? I, I think that's a fair question because I that's one of the reasons why I've said when other people have told me you should do this for money that's been one of the main reasons for me not to want to do it because I have a very social job and I would suddenly go from dealing with lots of people to dealing with no people. How do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I you know, I, I agree with you on that one. And you also experience that as a mobile validator. Um, the only bonus is, is that you get to see a handful of customers during the day and maybe get a tea or coffee off of them. But in general, travelling backwards and forwards and doing the job, you're still on your own. But you are outside, so you kind of have that outside interaction. But... When you're working in a unit, certainly like my unit, I have no windows. I have a roller shutter door, which I keep closed because I don't want contaminants coming in from outside. Equally, I don't want people driving past and poking their nose in. So I have all my doors closed, and like I said, I have no windows. So it is effectively like working in a prison. <laughs> it, you know, you've got no natural daylight. Somber so thought. Working in there morning till evening. So. It, 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 and it is like that. So, you know, that's where podcasts, listening to music, listening to podcasts, audio books, having that voice in your ear um, makes makes a big difference. Certainly having Ben on board, um, and he works with me for a number of days, um, that's that's a big help because you've got that interaction with somebody. But yeah, so certainly if you are a very sociable person, that is a very tough thing to... Um, to sort of overcome i i actually quite like my own company i'm i'm not introverted at all um but i do like my own sort of space and being on my own so i can kind of cope with it but every so often i do need that human interaction and ben helps with that
0: yeah that makes sense that makes sense uh one more question here uh someone mr tjp asks here uh People say I take forever when I go out to clean my car. Am I being too slow or am I doing it right?
2: What, what is there a time scale? I, I can, you know, if I'm if I'm washing the van or washing my car and do it at a weekend while I'm outside, it might take me two or three hours. But um, but yeah, that's it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, if it's taking you too open-ended, long, uh, it depends on what you're doing, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a very open-ended question.
0: Well, this is it. Some people will look at the situation and they'll say, "Oh my God, you're you're taking five hours to wash your car. That that's far too long." I I guess you take as long as you want to take. Exactly.
2: Yeah. If you're doing just a wash over and just you know doing a quick stiff wash, it might take an hour or so.
0: So, unfortunately, we did have to cut this interview short a little bit. Unfortunately, Gary was running into some technical difficulties, so we didn't get to quite ask everything that we were uh, hoping for. That's unfortunate, but perhaps we will have him back again on another episode uh, for some other chit chat and questions, things like that. Uh, just unfortunate we couldn't finish that off. But we do thank Gary very much for taking time out to uh, chat to us. He is a very busy man with lots going on with the the job and with family life so yes, uh, we hope so. Y- you guys uh, do understand that uh, this is yeah. what happens um <laughs> for people have
1: lives to live yes and te- the technicalities of it all it doesn't always run as smoothly as we'd like we spent a good hour and a half before we actually came on air in trying to prep and find out what was going on with the mic issues and headphone oh God, issues yeah latency issues if you wonder why i didn't talk a lot in these interviews because the latency is that bad gary didn't know when i was going to chime in it was very difficult to come in and, and ask him some questions so the latency is awful yeah between three people, it was a bit of a bit of a nightmare, but we got there in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was like about three or five seconds between the time that you spoke and the time that he actually heard you. So this was difficult, and uh, unfortunately, these are the things that you uh, you have to try and put up with and overcome when you run a remote podcast like we do. But we hope you guys have found this episode interesting at the very least. Uh, Paul, anything else you'd like to say before we have to say cheery bye to everyone?
1: No, thanks for everyone that's been sticking with it. We that was the twelfth. Episode we are still on air. Twelve, you, can, you twelve, you can hardly you it, can it? You?
0: Like like, how? Who's allowing this?
1: <laughs> no, after, after this episode, nobody.
0: we've got more to come though we've certainly got more guests lined up in the wings for future episodes we've been in in talks with a few people so we've definitely got a list of people that we're going to have on different people from different parts of the industry uh, parts of the community and so on so there's definitely more to come along and of course there will be the odd episode where paul and i just um waffle as as we often do like every day
1: I have at least two or three mid-show rants building up, um, (laughs) which would probably explain why my blood pressure is so high. (laughs) This Um, is why you need your holiday. Yes. uh, Yes, of course, I'm disappearing back up to the uh, beautiful part of the world known as Wales. Scotland. No, it's Wales. Is something wrong with this? Is it this clean? Can we get rid of this app? Because it doesn't work. You get interference. Somebody keeps saying Scotland in my left ear.
0: Uh, well that's because it's the right answer there's a that's what it's all about beautiful UK it's got to be Scotland I'm sorry it just is right well, on that note <laughs> on that bombshell you've you've been Specky and I've been Paul
1: thanks that, for listening
0: there you go wow you just signed us out thanks very much for that we'll <laughs> hear you in the uh, next episode take care bye <laughs> <classic>. Back on. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one